It is 89.9 The Light. I'm Joy Ravella and joined by singer-songwriter extraordinaire Brooke Lichardwood. Kia ora, Brooke. <laughs> kia ora. <laughs> I always get a little excited when um, someone says kia ora because I'm like my inner Kiwi just, just bursts with a bit of happiness. Do you feel the same way as well? I do. I do. So I feel like I, I haven't been back in so long. Obviously, no one's been anywhere because of the pandemic, but I feel like um, there is so much more vocabulary um, like and beautiful um, Maori language that is so much more prevalent even now than when I lived in New Zealand. So I think that's so lovely. Oh, do you have like a favourite phrase or word right now that you're leaning into? Kia kaha. Mm-hmm. Stay strong. We all need, yep. we all need yep. that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed. I've got to tell you something, Brooke. When I was 15 years old, I um, started a document that was titled Questions I Will One Day Ask Brooke Fraser. And I know oh your name gosh. now is Brooke Ledgett Wood. I had a look through the list and most of them are so embarrassing. <laughs> I'm not going to put you through them, but I will read out question number 14. And I have to, you know, honour my 15-year-old self in this moment. How long does it take for you to straighten your hair, Brooke? Oh, my gosh. Fortunately, I live in America now where it's very cheap to pay somebody else to do it for me. <laughs> so it takes about as long as it takes for me to pay $40. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um writing that list of questions reminds me that I actually um a couple months ago um I was looking through like some things in my garage and looking through letters that people have sent me over the year and I found a letter that um was written to me um by someone you know this having a list of questions for for Brooke Fraser yeah but the hilarious thing about it was that that letter was from my cousin (laughs) and she and her name's Kelsey and I remember I had totally forgotten that she'd written that to me and then I found it in my box in my garage a couple months ago I was like that is so and I, I remember at the time I saw her at Christmas I was like Kelsey why didn't you just like call me on the phone like you're my cousin like she wrote a she wrote a letter and she sent it in the mail to like my management oh my <laughs> like, goodness wow. Kelsey you could have just called me <laughs> anyway it was so funny oh that's funny. no there's something therapeutic about writing down the my handwriting shocking not, not not much has changed, I, I can tell you that, Brooke. <laughs> Isn't it funny, though, to see how your handwriting changes, like, through the years? Even once you think that it would have settled, there's, like, slight adaptation. I think mine's just adapted to a scribble more than anything else. Uh, Brooke, when you are writing your songs, I guess, I mean, do you use a pen and paper or do you prefer to use a laptop or an iPad? I am literally at my desk right now surrounded by um, printouts and handwritten lists and I have all of these everything I can see around me I have on my computer but for some reason it um, so I, I definitely need to get into the habit of like planting trees to make up for the pages that I use printing <laughs> but it gives me peace if I can see everything and if I can write notes on things, same with like the Bible, like, you know, okay, if I'm on my, um, you know, occasionally I'll read the Bible, like on my phone. I love the Bible. I use it all the time. I'm looking something up really quickly, but I also think there's something to like having my paper Bible that's all marked up and, you know, has dates in some corners or, um, you know, several different pens highlighting different sections. Cause I think our Bibles and, uh, in, in a lot of ways, you know, do become, um, memorials to what our journey with the word and with the Lord has looked like over the years. So I definitely, I'm kind of, I'm a paper and pen person living in a Zoom world. Um, so I'm still adapting to that. <laughs> oh yeah, but there's something about holding that pen in your hand. I think there's a quote, I can't remember who said it, something about the mark of a 
a, a well-worn Christian life is reflected in a well-worn Bible. You know, you've been through yeah. stuff, you've, in, you've engaged with God. And I know that you've just released um, with Hillsong Worship um, a new album. It's called These Same Skies. And I just wanted to know, I mean, with, with regards to everything that's been happening in your world, um, personally, but also with the pandemic, how has that shaped this album and the songs on it? In in many ways, it is a uh, it's kind of a return to who we are because it's a it's a live album and it's the sound of our church after our previous two albums, um, Take Heart Again and Awake Being Studio albums. But in in some ways, it's a it's a um, it's a departure and a bit of a blip because um, the plan that we had is not the plan that came to pass, um, which I think is also very indicative of um, just the nature of the pandemic for so many of us. So it was going to be called These Same Skies and we were going to record half here in California and half at, at Sydney at our, you know, at our home campus, Hills, Hills Campus in Sydney, Australia. So you know, half our team down there, half our team up here and all of us, you know, bringing the sound of worship under these same skies, even though we haven't seen each other for almost two years at this point. Mm. Um, and then right before Sydney, we're about to record the New South Wales lockdown happened. Um, and so we basically had a choice to make. Do we push ahead and record it here in California with those of us that live in the Northern Hemisphere? Um, or do we wait until kind of Australia opens up again and people are able to gather in a room and sing, not knowing when that, when that will be? And it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a hard choice, but I think that it was the right choice because we chose to push ahead and we felt like it was really important um, that, you know, obviously we write songs that we pray um, become a blessing to God's church, wherever God's church are gathered and wherever these songs might be able to serve and bless uh, a congregation. But also these songs are primarily uh, from and for our own faith community at Hillsong. And so uh, we really felt like as Hillsong worship, you know, um, if we're going to do anything, gosh darn it, we're going to make sure that the people of our faith community are going to have songs and prayers mm. and declarations to lift up in this season. And so we pushed ahead and we did it. And honestly, it was kind of horrific <laughs> and painful and complicated and probably as many things went wrong as went right um, in the capturing of this. But um, I also think that there's something to um, worshipping out of a really hard place and being in a hard place and in an unideal situation and choosing to lift up declarations of who the Lord is, who he's called us to be and what his promises in scripture um, say for us so that is the same skies it's kind of it's complicated it's nuanced um but it's beautiful and it is it's it's an offering it's a sacrificial offering of worship wow that's amazing i know that over the past weekend i was listening a lot to the album and um just really identifying with the fact that every single song on some level pointed me back to God, like refocus, refocus, refocus in the middle of Amen. all of this, which is such a blessing for me personally. But is there a song on the album that you resonate with the most? There's so many that are special to me for different reasons, but I think one of my, definitely one of my personal favorites, if not my favorite, is a song called um, Secret Place mm. by um, one of our beautiful songwriters and worship leaders called Chris Davenport. And I remember he came into my office and um, and he said, hey, I, I have this song idea. I don't know if it's silly or not. Maybe you can tell me. 
and he sat at the piano in my office and he played me that song and I uh it was the first song in a in a long time that the first time I heard it uh, I just began to weep and what a beautiful uh call back into that intimate place with Jesus um and so I remember the first time we led that at church, just that had the same effect on the congregation, people just telling me afterward that they had not wept like that in the presence of God in a really long time. And just remembering um, the sanctuary that is the presence of God and that each of us uh, as believers is invited into, but so often um, can be dismissive of because we are distracted by all of these other things that are often very good and noble and worthy. But just that secret, the return to the secret place, to intimacy with Jesus and to the sanctuary of his presence, I think is uh, such, a, it's not only, uh, it's not a luxury um, in the in the, in the the life of a believer, it's a necessity. Mm. And, um, and I remember uh, my husband um, actually said to me, we have a bit of a family kind of situation going on at the moment that we're praying praying about and a family member is very sick and I remember asking my husband just last week you know how are you doing and he said there's water all around me but it's not getting in the boat um, and one of the only ways that you can do that is when you live a life where the presence of God is a uh, is a constant sanctuary that you run to and that you hide yourself in and that you are replenished in and reminded of who you are and whose you are so that was an extremely long answer for a very short question. So I apologize. I have a lot of words. Okay. No judgment from me. I definitely know all about talking way too much. But uh, something I do want to ask you about is your Christmas plans for this year. We literally put up our first Christmas tree in October. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Which is like definitely the earliest we've ever done it. And it was also partly because we have a corner of our living room that really needs a lamp and we're too lazy <laughs> to get one. And so we're like, let's just put this fake pre-lit Christmas tree there and it's going to just like give the room a great vibe. But uh, we started in October, which arguably is too early, but we went for it and I'm very happy with our decision. I feel like the rule is after Thanksgiving, that's when we start doing kind of Christmas songs in church. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and then kind of, I, I know that um, our past is already planning, you know, we're currently in Hillsong Orange County meeting outside in the tent. So we will be, uh, yeah, decorating our tent. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, I, I love the decoration aspect. I love how you can get excited about something. I know here in Melbourne, for sure, like people have started listening to Christmas music in July because we just needed something <laughs> to hope for, yes. something to get excited about. <laughs> Oh, goodness. But I also know that it, it it has been a ripper of, well, I, I say ripper in the sense that ripped <laughs> is, I think, what a lot of people feel mm-hmm. like in some way. We've all reemerged from this lockdown different, weary. Yes, Christmas mm-hmm. is around the corner. Yes, we want to celebrate the birth of Christ, but it's just so hard to drum up that enthusiasm and that hope. So I just wanted to ask, you know, for that for that mum, that, that, that person, the, the, the dad, the teacher, the person at the rest home who's just like, I am struggling to connect with God. I don't even know where Aww. to begin. I'm not even sure what exactly worship looks like in the season anymore. Aww. What are your thoughts for that person? Yeah. Um, something you said uh, just a second ago reminded me of um, a scripture in Isaiah 42. And I love it because, you know, as we come closer to Christmas, we start um, returning to you know the the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus and his his birth and who the Lord was sending us to be our Savior, and in Isaiah forty two it says this: Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. 
and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. And here's the verse that came to mind, verse three, Isaiah 42, verse three, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. He will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on the earth. And then it goes on. Um, and I just think, you know, for, for that person um, that is just feeling so on the edge or pushed to the edge, um, what a promise we have here in Isaiah 42, 42, that a bruised reed, Jesus will not break. A smoldering wick, he will not stuff out. If you, if you, you might be bruised, um, but the Lord will not allow you to be completely broken. You might be, uh, you know, your flame might have dimmed to a smoldering, um, but in Jesus' name, um, you will not be snuffed out. Um, and there is such great hope for you and for me um, in Christ and what He, who he is and um, what he invites us into um, this year. Awesome. And that is a promise that we can cling on to for dear life. So if you're listening and, and watching this online right now, I just want you to know that, yeah, there is, there is hope and there's a delightful album that you can press into. It's called These Same Skies. It's written with lots of love. And um, Brooke, I just thought as we wrap up this interview, uh, would, would you be all right with just um, just praying for that person who's listening right now, just yeah. heading, heading towards the end of the year, hoping for a, a better 2022, but also mm. just um, a blessing and an impartation because I know that this is something that you are called to do in, in your authority as a worship leader. Yeah, I would love to. That would be my honor. Thank you so much for asking me. All right, let us pray. So if you're listening um, and you're on with us right now, um, obviously not if you're driving, don't close your eyes. <laughs> um, but if you, are, if you are somewhere safe and your own safety or others doesn't depend on it, then why don't you just um, close your eyes right now and, um, and pray with us. Um, Lord Jesus, uh, I thank you so much that as we come into this Advent season, um, we remember what this Advent season represents, which is the time of waiting before the birth of Christ, the time of uh, knowing what the promise is, but not having seen it come to pass yet. And we thank you, Jesus, that as we travel through this Advent season, we know that Christmas is coming. We know that the arrival of our Savior, of our Messiah, of our Lord um, is on the horizon and imminent. And I just pray, Lord, that as I as I pray these words right now, that that person, Lord, who is feeling almost at the end of their rope or the end of their hope, would feel and remember and know in their bones that your coming is imminent, that the fulfillment of your promise is on its way, Lord, and that you have not forgotten one word that you have spoken to them. I pray that you would come alongside them right now by the power of your precious Holy Spirit. And would you fan into flame that courage within them? Would you call them forth, Lord, into stepping into hope with even greater boldness when it seems like everything in life is saying that that's not possible. I thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful, that you are worthy, and that you are well able to restore us, to revive us, and to lead us into all that you have called us into. So bless this person, bless this woman, bless this man, bless this family, be with them, restore them, bless them. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Brooke Ledgetwood, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. It is an honor. Thank you so much.